Whether it's comedy, action adventure, drama, horror, and everything else in between, all movies at least have one thing in common. They all share a message with you. This is Movie Night Apologetics, where I, movie apologist Clark, review and examine movies and their messages from a Christian perspective. Well, what is up, movie lover family? Thank you for coming back to the Movie Night Apologetics podcast, where we explore movies from a Christian perspective. And today we're going to actually be discussing the famous, the most riveting movie you have ever seen in your entire life, 2001 A Space Odyssey. The topic I'm going to be going over after my, you know, riveting review of this movie will be, can we interpret the Bible any way we want? And so before I do that, though, like always, we are going to give you a movie description because you're going to need it because you'll see why. The movie description An imposing black structure provides a connection between the past and the future. And this, I don't even know how to say this word, to be honest with you. E-N-I-G-M-A-T-I-C. Enigmatic adaptation of a short story by a revered sci-fi author, author, that's weird, Arthur Author Arthur Clarke, when Dr. Dave Bowman and other astronauts are sent on this mysterious mission, their ship's computer system, Hal, I mean the real hero of the movie to be honest with you, begins to display increasingly a strange behavior leading up to a tense showdown between man and machine that results in a mind-bending trek through space and time. So, you know... This is a new segment that I'm going to do on the podcast that I haven't done up until this point. But whenever there's a, I don't know, three stars or less that I like on a movie and I don't want to recommend to you guys, well, guess what? I'm going to do this segment called Movie in a Nutshell. And so let's do Movie in a Nutshell. So that way you don't have to waste $4 and two hours of your time. So the first 15 minutes are just apes standing around. They're just standing around the water. And then one ape discovered that he can use a bone for killing. And then, bam, this monolith appears. Smash cut millions of years later to man and their trek on the moon. And this goes on for like another 15 whatever minutes. And then they find the monolith and bam, it goes into the next sequence where these people are sending these astronauts on this mysterious mission. And then we finally get into the real crux of the story, the movie description after an hour, after over halfway through the movie, do we finally get to the part where they, where the movie description is accurate? Okay. So the interesting part of the astronauts figuring out that the AI computer is getting weird. So they smash cut over to the next sequence and these astronauts are trying to figure out, Hey, this AI computer thing is starting to act a little weird around me. And so they decide to talk in secret, but how the AI computer reads their lips and then plots his revenge to kill them. Hal succeeds with the one dude and then won't let Bowman back in space in the spacecraft after they're doing a maintenance thing outside. 
Then a monolof shows up in the outer space and the guy trips out for about, I don't know, two, five minutes. And then he sees himself in this room getting older. And as he's walking closer to his older self, the older self sees the monolith and wham, a giant space baby is orbiting the planet Earth and the end that is it. That is movie in a nutshell. So now you don't have to waste four dollars and two hours of your time. And so, yeah, if there is a movie that is crappy and garbage, then I'm going to do movie in a nutshell because I think that's fun. But before we get into my riveting review, I just want to ask you to go on your podcast, rate it five stars. It helps listeners find me better when they look up movies podcast movies or whatever and also that i have a discord so if you want to hop on discord it's movie night apologetics podcast and you'll find me there and then you can suggest a movie or talk with me about a movie in the comments so if you post it in discord i'll likely put you on the list further to get the movie up so that way you can listen to the review of the movie that you gave me on here sooner. So anyways, give me a five stars and go to my Discord page at Movie Night Apologetics Podcast. Now, before I get into my riveting, exciting review of the movie, I just want to take just a special moment and just thank my buddy, Joel, for just recommending me this delightful masterpiece and letting me waste two hours of my life. Now, there wasn't, it wasn't all bad. I liked some of it. I mean, I really liked that it ended. That was a great part. Like when the credits rolled, I was like, oh, thank you, Lord, for letting this movie end. I am now not in agony and pain. And man, did I really, and I also really liked the robot because he actually made the story interesting. He, I mean, there was like conflict in the, the movie with the robot. And so I really liked that how it became bad and was like trying to kill those guys. And yeah, so I mean, there's a few good aspects of it and there's one more that I'll get to at the end of the discussion. But I really wanted to bring this home with, you know, what my major dislikes of the movie were, which is in fact what Joel and other people that I've talked to really liked about the movie, and that is the fact that it is open to interpretation. And I, that's the one thing that I really, I, I don't like. Like, I don't mind a little bit of an open interpretation on like some sort of scenes. Like, for example, in The Descendant, when I, I have, I failed to mention this, but there was one scene where the gal, uh, just killed one of those monsters and she was screaming. And then the next scene, it cuts over and you can hear one of the monster screams. And so the way people were interpreting that scene was like, she's actually the monster killing, you know, her friends. But the beautiful thing about it is the people who wrote that movie, they heard about that was an interpretation people were coming up with and they said, nope, that's not what it is. Uh, you know, that was just kind of a bad editing error. But then you get to the director of the movie, um, who people ask Kubrick, like, hey, what, what is this really about? What really happened? Like, what is the interpretation of this movie? And this is what the, what, what is it, writer, director? I don't know. I don't know who, 
writes it or directs it or makes the the screenplay. But anyways, Kubrick said this, you're free to speculate as you wish about the philosophical and allegorical meaning of the film. And such speculation is one indication that it has succeeded in gripping the audience at a deep level. I don't want to spell out a verbal roadmap for 2001 that every viewer will feel obligated to pursue or else fear he's missed the point. He, so, okay, he refused to offer an interpretation. You know what? I'm just going to write a book and I'm just going to put just a bunch of random thoughts in it. And then I'm just going to throw it out there. I'm going to write a story. It's going to have a bunch of like random stuff that happens in it. And then I'm just, if people ask me what the interpretation is, I'm just not going to give it an interpretation. No one like wants their thoughts to be open to interpretation. I don't know. It just sounds like he made kind of a crappy movie. And most of the people were like, what does it mean? And Cooper's like, well, you can interpret however you want, man. It's all open to interpretation, man. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really trashing this movie. And for good reason, to be honest with you, like, I'm not going to come on here and say every movie is great that is recommended to me. I'm sorry. I won't do it. You'll know what movies I like and what movies I don't like. Now, I hated this movie. And... And here's why I really don't like the film. It's because films like these that put the meaning of the film on the person rather than the one who made it, honestly, I, I really think that is, let's, I, I don't know how to describe it. Like, we've seen that play, play out over than just movies, haven't we? There's no longer an objective meaning behind a thing. It's for each individual human and their interpretation. So for example, like the purpose of life, you know, I'm reading, been reading Francis Schaefer and basically I've been actually reading Francis Schaefer because of this movie, because my wife was like, well, he has this first volume is about him and uh, he's writing about philosophy and the Christian worldview. And it's super interesting to see just how much philosophy has been injected into art and part of art is not only like paintings right but it's also it's movies and actually he says in one of his chapters in his book on the philosophy and the christian worldview is that you know the philosophical thinkers of our day are movie directors they're you know the, the movies and the messages that they give i mean that's the whole reason why i'm partly doing this podcast is because there are movies that have messages that go into the minds and the ears and the eyes of listeners of consumers and they walk away with, oh, well, you know, that's actually a pretty good thought when in reality it may not be a really good thought, you know? So because the whole thing is, is, you know, with this openness into interpretation, and that's one of the things that I kind of struck away a little bit from this is like, there's this Christian saying out there that is like, what does this Bible verse mean to you, right? Because we, and in some sense, I get it. We should want to apply the Bible to our lives, to our specific individual lives, for sure. That, like, I'm okay with that. 
But you say that to a young believer that knows really nothing about the Bible. You know, they repent of their sins, trust in Christ. Now they're on this road to reading the scripture, doing what God says. And then you, and then we give this saying, Oh, well, what does this Bible verse mean to you? I don't think that's a right saying that we should say. It's like, what does this Bible verse mean in its context? And to the hearers that people were, um, being uh, wrote to the, the authors that what did the uh, the original author attend for the original audience and the context and the culture that is surrounded and throughout all of the other scripture that is tied into that you say for example you could say this to a believer there you know you're good maybe you're going through romans and you're reading romans 5:20 and you say well what does this bible verse mean to you sally or george and they read the law entered in so that transgression might increase but where sin increased grace overflowed overflowed all the more now What's interesting, and why I kind of bring this up is because Paul kind of knows when he's writing Romans about what his readers are going to think in this particular phrase that he just gave in Romans 5.20. And so somebody may say this, whoa, oh, great, you know, where sin increased, grace overflowed all the more. It's like, whoa, uh, why not just sin so that grace may abound more and more to me? Right? But then if you read the context, if you keep going a few verses later, Paul says, what then are we to continue in sin that grace may abound all the more by no means? So you have to, you have to read the context and its culture to the people that the original author was writing to. You can't just say, hey, um, what does this Bible verse mean to you? We're not, we're, we don't, Put subjective thoughts into the Bible. I mean, again, I, I know like last week or so when I talked about the descendant, I did say there's things that we think of that are open to interpretation. There are things that Christians differ on for sure. Uh, I mean, okay, so just picture this. Just think of, so Jesus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And could you imagine how unfulfilling it would be if I was like, well, you know, the Bible uh, is open to your interpretation like Kubrick did. There would be no sense of truth because I think God would cease to be God. And I hope I'm saying this right. Maybe not confusing. I don't know. Because he is truth. Like if he is true, if he is a personal God, if he is all who he says he is in scripture, he's going to want He's going to want his image bearers to know he is true because he has distinctly made us for worship, to worship him, the true living God who wants a deep personal relationship with you. And you don't have to look far into the Bible to figure out this God, the only God, is personal and he cares for you. I just find it a way better and way more compelling than any other belief system. Like, I really do. Like, studying Christianity more and more as the years I go in and I dive deeper into God's Word, like, th- there is no one like our God. I mean, th- there just really isn't. 
So this is like the great grand picture of the story. I mean, this isn't open to interpretation. So we have this thing. So we have in the beginning, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in Genesis 1 and 2, he created everything. He made it good. He made man. He made woman. He made creation and all of it good and whole and perfect. And then... In Genesis 3, man disobeyed. And then God had a plan from the beginning, from the foundation of the world, to restore a relationship back with us through his son, Jesus, who died on the cross and rose from the dead for our sins. That way we may be forgiven and have life with God. And that is only if we repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. And then we are on mission to disciple other people on our Christian walk. And one day Christ will come back and restore everything. That is not a story open to interpretation. Now I get it with Kubrick saying in the 2001 space odyssey, there were were probably some things that uh, were, I don't know how to describe it. Like, Honestly, the more I looked into, (laughs) the more I looked into this movie, the more confused I got because I try to see, well, what are some of the other interpretations? And I personally, I got more confused uh, as I wrote it. And that's the one thing I love about scripture is that the more I see it, the more I go dive deep into it, the more I realize like, wow, like this is just amazing. Like it, like, the more I get in, the more clear it becomes. Now, obviously, there's still some things that are hard to comprehend because he is a eternal, invisible God. And so not everything's going to be plain and known to us. Like, how does the Trinity work? I, you know, I don't know, but there's three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all in one, right? I hope I said that right. I always feel like with saying that phrase, I'll, I, I get it like backwards. I don't know if like some of you have thought the same way as well, but whenever I say that, I'm like, I hope I said that right. And I wasn't a heretic and <laughs> saying that, but you know, we like the Trinity is just a hard concept. Like how is like Jesus in the flesh and God, and then he's praying to the father and the Holy spirit. I, I just, it's complex, but the story behind it and God redeeming us throughout the whole from Genesis to revelation is just amazing. And that is just crystal clear, black and white. And so I'm so glad that we have a God that doesn't say, yeah, just figure it out on your own, but he actually is personal. And if he's personal, he actually speaks to us and he reveals himself not only through nature, but through his written word. Sometimes I don't think we thank God for his written word. Like it is just amazing that because he's personal, he actually speaks to us. It's not just this impersonal God that's like, you know, I'm over here doing my own thing. You can worship me however you want. It's he actually spoke and he actually he came down and became one of us and died in the place for our sins so we can be right with him. And I just find that amazing and 
I don't know. I don't know about you, but you know, I'm glad we don't have a god like Kubrick who's like, well, hey, you know what? Just it's open to interpretation. The Bible it's open to interpretation. So, but lastly, um, I will say that this movie really did something quite extraordinary that I did not see, and this is just the miraculous thing that God does sometimes. Because, yeah, while I did hate the movie. While I am poking fun of it and I'm poking fun at the openness to interpretation, um, you know, like it's not like I have it out against for this guy or the movie per se. It's just I'm just going to give you my thoughts and what I really don't like. Like I don't want to be a liar on here and be like, well, this is a very good movie. You see, it's very sophisticated and uh, it had a lot of meaning to it and – you know, I can't do that. It's not my personality. If I see something's like not good, I, you know, I just, I don't know. I just have to say it's not good. I mean, that, that clear. But one thing that good that came out of it was, you know, like I said, I, because of this movie, I started reading Francis Schaefer. And man, you know, Francis Schaefer has been a blessing to my soul because it, he's rounded out my, um, beliefs in Christianity a little bit. He's given me a little bit more well-rounded thought and things. And I just love, I, I, I personally love that because one of the things that he's showing me is just how, I don't know, like amazing it is to be an image bearer of God. And then also just how hopelessly and lost the world is that don't have the truth and the knowledge of Jesus that think we are just some mucus that formed into this body over millions of years but has no meaning and no purpose. And he's really kind of described through, like, the philosophy and, like, what man has, like, come up with in their thoughts is just so hopeless and meaningless. And that is why I love the Bible because it gives you so much hope. It gives you so much meaning and purpose behind everything. I mean, God says, eat, drink, or not eat, drink, and be merry. He says, eat and drink for the glory of God. I think Paul says that. You know, eat and drink for the glory of God. Like, even in your eating, even in your drinking, you can glorify God. Uh, you know, you're not going to get any other religion that gives you so much meaning and purpose behind everything. And that is one, you know, and that's, that's why one of the reasons why I'm a Christian is because of that. And then, you know, just because Jesus is worth my, uh, he is worth my, my praise. So anyways, I just thought I mentioned that there was one thing that good that came out of the movie, and that was me diving into Schaefer. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. Was gonna talk about a little bit about my son's story that he wrote with my wife, which was a way better uh story than two thousand one Space Odyssey, but unfortunately I didn't bring the book with me when I left home at three AM this morning. So you won't be able to hear that. But anyways, Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Hope I wasn't too critical. Hopefully you found this somewhat entertaining because most of the movies that I do on here, I really like, but some of them are just 
eh, shot. And this one is by far going to be at the bottom of the list probably for a while. I mean, I may put it at the bottom with, and not that I'll ever review Dune part one, you know, the new remake, but that one probably even beats 2001 Space Odyssey. And that is saying something because I almost walked out of that movie theater because, I mean, Dune Part 1 was so boring. But at least it had, you know, somewhat of a plot. It wasn't like all over the place, I felt like. So anyways, anyways, thank you guys for listening. I really appreciate doing this podcast. And I hope you guys leave a review. And I'll see, maybe see you on Discord with a movie review and talk about conversation. Maybe you could tell me why I'm wrong in the 2001 space, my 2001 space odyssey review. Maybe you could do that. But anyways, like my friend Blaine always says, don't party too hard without me. What? Catch you guys later. Whether it's at home or at the movie theaters, Movie Night Apologetics exists to help you, the listener, know the Christian worldview through the movie's messages. I am movie apologist Clark, and this is Movie Night Apologetics Podcast.